Hi, this is Pam Lewis, and this is Applaudable Perspectives. Thanks for listening. On the first episode, you're going to hear a little bit about me. I hope you tune in and enjoy it and come back. So, I'm from upstate New York. I grew up in a little town called Red Hook in the mid-Hudson Valley. And I uh, had one sister. My dad was a teacher. My mother was a dental hygienist, and both of them were self-made folks, hardworking, very frugal. Uh, Both of them went to college, worked hard to get through school, and they instilled those values in me. My sister is a dietitian, and I always say she's the smart one in the family. I was always a little bit left of center, uh, had all kinds of dreams, and wanted to get into the arts, but I also was told by my family that I needed to figure out a way to make a living. So I managed to do that, actually, uh, funny enough. I finished high school. I went on to Wells College, which at the time was a woman's college, and I studied econ, marketing, and a minor in communications in French. I lived in France for almost a year, traveled all over Europe, uh, visited, got to visit a lot of countries that I then went back and uh, revisited and had that whole wonderful rural rail experience uh, as a young girl. My first job out of school was for a company called Warner Amex Satellite Entertainment Corporation. It was a joint venture of Warner Communications and American Express, and they went on to launch several channels, one being Nickelodeon, Children's Channel, the other, the Music Channel, was the working title, and more about that later, and then a third, which was the movie channel, and we had a joint venture with Ted Turner. So I was in on the ground floor of all of that, and Ted Turner would come walking into the office, and John Belushi and people like that. So it was a great catbird's seat coming up through the ranks. The music channel became MTV Music Television, and we launched that in 1981, and I was just a pup. So you can imagine what a heady experience that was. Matter of fact, we didn't even have the channel capacity to be in Manhattan and so we launched it in New Jersey. And it was sort of in the whole hinterland, and then eventually we got uh, in Los Angeles and New York where Madison Avenue and where the music industry was based. But initially we didn't, and uh, some of you might remember the I Want My MTV campaign, and that was to pressure the cable companies to carry MTV because uh, the concept was to, for it to be a 24-hour music channel, much like radio. You could turn it on and listen to it. So that was a great experience. I met a lot of interesting people, and I was dating a photographer who had gone to FIT, and John would get booked to shoot a lot of the shows for multiple genres of music. So he would work for a record label, and one night it might be Pavarotti, the next night it might be David Bowie or Tina Turner, Diana Ross, and I would tag along. If he had an extra ticket, he'd say, why don't you come? And he'd give me a backstage pass. And so here I am, the date of the photographer. And I think sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss. And uh, I didn't have anything better to do. So I was talking backstage. And some of the people I was talking to, I became friends with. And a lot of the folks were from Nashville. And so there were people like Tony Brown and Joe Galante and Cynthia Spencer. And one day I get a phone call from Cynthia Spencer, and she said, hey, we've got a job here in Nashville. Why don't you interview for it? 
So I was living in Manhattan. I loved living the life. I was going out all the time. I had a boyfriend living in Tribeca. I was living on the Upper East Side. I couldn't imagine living anywhere but my dream place, which was New York City at the time. So they were persistent, and Cynthia said, listen, just call in sick, and we'll send you a plane ticket. So I bought a billboard on the way to the airport, and I opened it up, and I thought, well, somewhere's the country section in this billboard. Found it, read it, and I think because I didn't really want the job, I was very confident, and I did a really good job on the interview. And I, I said something like, well, congratulations on Islands in the Stream, you know, Kenny and Dolly, what a great song. So I, I looked like I was prepared. Anyway, it was a great offer. They moved me to Nashville. There was no reason for me to really stay in New York at the time. I had I'd lost. Uh, I kept my apartment for a while, and I was subletting it. And then I had to relearn how to drive a car because I was using public transportation, and uh, and it was really a whole different lifestyle that I had to get used to. And after about a year of working with people like Alabama, Bill Medley. Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, uh, that whole roster, uh, a guy named Vince Gill, who I thought was amazing, I got let go, and I was devastated. And at the same time, the guy that I was dating, who lived in Manhattan still, dumped me. And I thought, life doesn't get any worse. And so that was pretty down time for me, but... um, After I got through feeling sorry for myself and having lots of pity parties, I started to do some internal work and I started to look at what did I do to contribute to this and what can I learn from this experience and how do I empower myself. And I worked. I just worked my tail off. And I thought, you know what? I don't want RCA Records to be right about me. I'm not a loser. So I dug a little deeper. I... By that time, I had met a few people like Tony Brown, and he said, you know, we've got some work at MCA. We'll throw you. So I started doing press releases, and I worked with, oh, Patty Loveless and Nicolette Larson and Lyle Lovett and Steve Earle and all these people that needed some outside PR help, and that began the start of my business. Certainly didn't want to start it that way, didn't want to start it by getting let go, but one thing led to another, and, you know, you survived through it. So I got through that. And one day I get a phone call from a guy named Bob Doyle, and he wanted to have lunch. And he was an executive at ASCAP. And Bob is a very reserved guy, and I really couldn't figure out why we were meeting. I think he just wanted to get to know me better. And after several meetings, he finally said, you know, I'm thinking of leaving ASCAP. I want to start a management company. I think that you and I would be a good team because you know how to market and your background is different than mine. He hadn't worked at a record label at the time, and I had, and I had the background from video, et cetera, and the marketing degree and all that. And he had great ears. He knew a hit song and uh, had worked on that end of things and also uh, could play drums and knew something more about the mechanics of the music business and certainly about publishing. So we formed Doyle Lewis Management 50-50 Partnership, and he said, I've got this guy I want to consider signing. And he's he's a boy. He's just a young kid. So Bob's, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years older than I am. Well, this boy turned out to be four years younger than myself. And his name was Garth Brooks, Troyal Garth Brooks. 
And I remember meeting him, and he sat on the sofa in the office. It was a Haitian cotton sofa with a acoustic guitar and started strumming. And I thought, there's something special about this guy, and he really knows how to spin a tune. And there's something very captivating about him. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? And I called my attorney, and he said, well, you know, if you want to take a risk and get into management, I'll help you navigate this. And we structured a deal between Bob and myself. And for the next eight years, it was one heck of a ride. Uh, None of us knew what we were getting into. We also, along the road, managed some other people that were extremely talented, Great Plains, Hank Flamingo, and a beautiful woman from Monticello, Georgia, with an incredible voice named Trisha Yearwood. We also got her her record deal. And at the same time, I kept my company going because I never knew if this was going to last, if I was going to continue to work with Bob, uh, if Garth wanted to continue to perform. I mean, I just didn't know. And I thought, well, you know, I remember Tammy Wynette never gave up her beautician's license. So I thought that was smart. So I kept my PR company. I hired people to help run it. And uh, when I had some extra money, I bought some real estate so that I would uh, have some additional income. And that's how I've been able to kind of stay afloat. I got involved in preservation efforts, both in Franklin and on Music Row. I got annoyed about growth and uh, frustrated with local officials, and so I ran for office, and I had a wonderful journey on the city council and as vice mayor and the planning commission in Franklin, and I'm still involved with the city on a couple of commissions. I'm on the planning uh, for the housing commission, and also I'm involved with the Civil War Preservation Commission, and I've been doing a lot of charity work, started a foundation, given scholarship money and help with preservation efforts. And now my mom lives here, so it's been a great journey uh, and very, very lucky, actually, extremely lucky to be alive and well. Um, I should say something. Back when I was a kid and I was still in college, I was taking a calculus class over the summer because I was wretched in in math. And uh, this was a bad summer. This was a summer that... The king died, Elvis died, and uh, I also had a bad car wreck and totaled my mother's car. I was fine, but totaled her car. And a month later, I got stung by a bee in the head twice, and I'd been stung by lots of bugs and bees, etc. I grew up in the country, and I went into anaphylactic shock, and I died. And it was a really interesting experience because at the time, my family didn't talk about it. I mean, I really kind of didn't realize how serious it was, to be honest. And years later, I started reading metaphysics, and I read about near-death experiences, and I realized I had had one and how lucky I was to survive it had it not been for the EMTs. And then I started to think, well, there's a reason that I'm still alive, because I shouldn't be. And I always say a mother's love brought me back because I, I had a choice at the time to live or, or to die, frankly. And um, I just thought, this is going to destroy my family. This is really going to destroy my mom. So I came back and I thought, well, you know, I'm here to make something of my life to do something important or at least to help some people. So I always say when people ask me, 
about my life and what am I proud of or what do I think it's about? And I said, well, I feel like I've been involved very young in life, frankly, with two phenomena, one being MTV. And, of course, that changed music. It changed marketing. exploded uh, the visual marketplace. And at the time, nobody had any idea what it was going to become to the extent that it is now. And the second phenomenon was a human being named Garth Brooks who really changed my life. And uh, it was not always an easy experience. It was not always a pleasant experience. But I grew from it. I am very proud of the work we did together. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 